0: We've already lived through a year of unnerving events between the global pandemic and global politics and domestic clashes, politics among them, and they continue. It is relentless and covers just about every aspect of our lives. We need a solid reset to go forward, making things better, not depending on others to do that for us. I'm Sheila Lagminas. You're in the Forum. (music) Public attention is focusing more and more these days on big claims of wrongdoing by individuals or whole classes of them without a search for evidence to ground them in or proof that these claims are remotely true. It's a moment in our common life when feelings are dominant and thought is marginalized at best or shamed and punished at worst. How do we engage such a culture with the true and the good and the beautiful? Father Robert Spitzer does that more brilliantly and in more ways than just about anyone, it seems. And he's here to help us navigate the jungle out there. Father Spitzer's founder of the Majus Center, educating the public about how science, reason, and faith all go together. He's author of many outstanding works, including a quartet of books on happiness, suffering, and transcendence. I'm going to point you to that in a little bit, uh, where you can find those. He's also author of New Proofs for the Existence of God. Everyone's going to want to read that. And, Father Spitzer has a new trilogy out now, called uh, Called Out of Darkness Trilogy. And the latest volume of that, just out, is titled Escape from Evil's Darkness, The Light of Christ in the Church, Spiritual Conversion, and Moral Conversion. And to point to where you can find all this, he's a teacher and creator behind CredibleCatholic.com, where you can find all of these materials and answers to questions on faith, reason, and science, absolutely free. At that online site. Father Spitzer, welcome back.
1: Thanks so much, Sheila. Always great to be with you.
0: It's always great to have you in, Father. I don't know how you do it all. Uh, You write so much, you turn out so many materials, and then you turn up everywhere someone asks you to talk. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm delighted to be able to do that again, and I've been going through a couple of your books before we get to the brand new one in this wonderful trilogy, Escape from Evil's Darkness. the, the, The fact that um, well, actually, let's start with that because in the introduction to that, Father, you say that you say that religious and spiritual conversion and moral conversion um, are essential to our battle with evil and our progress in appropriating and a living and living ever deeper authenticity and love. And you know, I marked that, Father, that religious and spiritual conversion and moral conversion are essential to our battle with evil. I underline that because I noted thought to self we have to recognize evil to do battle with it when you say we're doing battle with evil and in your prior two of your prior books i've noted the soul's upward yearning and um what's this one i've got them all over my desk finding true happiness you note that people really kind of have a harder time with that these days because they deny the sense of the transcendent and Mm -hmm. they just in denying all transcendence then how are, they, how are they able to live an ethical life? And you point out that they can't. The loss of transcendence in our culture, one of the things it leads to, is a decline in moral, in ethical motivation. So how do we do battle with evil if, if we can't recognize it as a culture?
1: Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's really difficult uh, to do that. In fact, uh, we've got two strikes against us. Not only do we deny the existence of spiritual evil or even the, the principle of, of, uh, you know, evil as the uh, opposition to good, and that there are really objectively evil things out there. We also, uh, we deny transcendence and we deny God, so we pretty much are uh, uh, cutting off not only our feet and uh, and legs, we're cutting off our arms and trying to fight uh, without any limbs at all. And so um, I would say uh, that means that we're probably going to continue to go down uh, a road, not only of uh, religious decline, but ethical decline. And that certainly, I mean, the Gallup polls uh, certainly show that. I mean, uh, I think we were up to the point where most Americans evaluated um, America's moral um, uh, sensibility as uh, poor, uh, 49 percent of Americans thought that uh, that uh, America's uh, values um, were poor. Uh, I think it was another 30 some odd percent thought they were fair. Uh, only 1% thought it was excellent. And I think it was something like 13% or something thought it was good. I mean, wow. that's it. That pretty much says it all. I mean, across the board, we think we're pretty much morally reprehensible. That's great. That's great. <laughs> So, um, you know, uh, when you really look at it, you know, we do have a problem and uh, the problem's going to continue so long as we keep denying the sensibility, to, you know, of objective norms, because if you, if you objective uh, moral norms and, and uh, objective evils, if you start denying those things, there's no incentive to convert. There's mm-hmm. nothing move away from. If you say, oh no, there's really no spiritual evil, there isn't any hell, that you know, all that just, you know, the devil is just a comic book figure with nice horns and a trident in the tail, you know, that slithers away, and you just kind of marginalize the devil. Well, actually, um, you know, there's a very real spirit, evil spirit, that I mean, I, in my first volume, Christ versus Satan in our daily lives, I really did in chapter three point out all these uh, uh, possession cases that have very very good uh, foundation, credible foundation for them from the diaries uh, of the exorcisms themselves. And these possession cases, like uh, Julia, this high priestess who is a Satanist, uh, or um, this uh, 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 person Robbie Mannheim, who was kind of an unwitting thirteen-year-old uh, follower of his aunt Harriet, who was a spiritualist, who, uh, you know. Mm. Talk- the Ouija board, etc. But that uh, exorcism, by the way, that was the, the uh, diary of the uh, 10 Jesuits who had actually performed the exorcism uh, in St. Louis became uh, the diary that uh, um, William Peter Blatty used uh, for the his book, The Exorcist, and later the, uh, the movie, I think that came out in 1973 there. So um, uh, yeah, there's. I, I pointed it out because... We need to know you really do have a spiritual opponent, an enemy, who at every single turn uh, wants uh, to seduce you into the darkness, wants to seduce you uh, into evil, and wants wants to seduce you away from God with every possible temptation, lie, and seduction available that he can muster up.
0: Well, that's why, uh, no doubt, and you you can tell me and, and, and everyone listening why you've dedicated uh, much of your writing. It, more more recent, like in your quartet of books, I know that the fourth one was The Light Shines On in the Darkness, Transforming mm-hmm. Suffering Through Faith. I know that on CredibleCatholic.com and MagisCenter.com, you also address these issues as well. Evil, the real, the, the existence of God and the evidence for God and the Transcendent soul, transphysical soul. All of that's there as well. But also, you know, that 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 there really is a devil. And then this, you know, your first book in this quartet, uh, certainly dedicating that to the fact that, yeah, there's a battle out there with the enemy, and he really is in the world. And and it's in this newest book as well, uh, that we're talking about es- Escape from Evil's Darkness. Mm-hmm. And and all of this is so important for. In a culture and for the people of a culture, Father, for which culture shapers are mm-hmm. uh, are, are leading them astray unwittingly. I think you say a couple of times in a couple of your books, maybe unwittingly just following this path. But the other night I saw, um, just because somebody asked me to watch one particular interview with a congressman, I've interviewed a lot on my former show. He's also yeah. a personal friend, but that congressman was on this show and, and, and uh, somebody asked, hey, why don't you watch congressman's interview with Bill Maher? I don't normally watch Bill Maher, yeah. uh, but you know, okay, I'll watch that interview because I was told it was a good interview. So in watching it, it was pretty far along in like a five minute interview or whatever. When um, Congressman brought up something about you know life and defending life, and he had been in the military and did the defense of life and liberty and all of that, and uh, and against forces in our time and and I you know evil is out there, and he I think might have just passingly said something about you know faith and you know God and the devil, and Bill Maher said to him, "So you you believe in the devil?" and and the congressman nodded he's very he's very winsome this congressman he he just smiled and said yeah you bet i do and and bill maher said something to the effect of oh well that's a problem right there and then he moved on to another uh, subject and i thought you know you're telling your followers and culture you know followers that you culture shaper that you might be to some people don't believe in the devil when people are a little bit ridiculed who do so, Father, these days we know how many people are afraid to push back against these kind of ideas because they're going to be ridiculed at best, uh, bullied at worst, and, yeah. uh, and yet you're reintroducing the fact that, oh, yeah, he exists and I'll, I'll give you a whole lot of scientific stuff that should, you know, give you a few chills.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. I think um, if you don't know who your enemy is, you're not, uh, and you don't tell people who their spiritual enemy is, and the kind of power he has, the kinds of ca- capacity for seduction and lies that he has, if you, you know, that's just like telling, you know, saying to your fourth grader, gee, I, I, I you know, I don't want to upset you by telling you not to, to, you know, run across the street without looking at both ways, you know, oh, I I would have to tell you, you could be hit by a car, and that might distress you. So, yeah, I figured we better start getting this out here, because the devil is not only real in our personal lives, he's real in our cultural lives, and not only that, but um, if if we don't do, uh, you know, something to stop him from influencing other people, our best friends, our family members, if, if we... Uh, 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 You know, wind up being almost powerless uh, to, you know, let our friends go into the darkness let our friends go into that sense of uh, of evil and belief that as they're following this way of perdition instead of the way of Jesus Christ, that they're not going to do any harm to themselves my gosh, you know, I mean, uh, if you really know how the devil latches on and how he can basically just not only latch on, but pull you deeper and pull you deeper to the point where you almost cannot resist anymore. Of course, you can always resist even at the last minute, but it'll take a gargantuan effort if, you know, throughout your entire life, you have been, as it were, his friend, his Mm -hmm. colleague, his supporter, and helped to introduce him to so many of your friends, and and uh, so forth and so on. Um, yeah, it's hard to, to draw away. In fact, uh, you know, the satanic priestess, Julia, um, you know, this is one of the cases that uh, Dr. Richard Gallagher, who's such a, uh, you know, he's a psychiatrist that did the, the exorcisms for many, many, um, you know, possessions uh, that were there in the Northeast. Uh, he wrote a book uh, recently called D- Demonic Foes. Um, that is, well, it's worth reading if you uh, want a few uh, interesting evenings of, uh, of uh, nightmares. But um, he's, yeah. uh, he's uh, basically um, uh, written this book. But uh, Julia never did come around. She didn't finish the exorcism. Uh, she canceled out. And the reason I, I bring it out in my book is because, you know, sh- there she was, a satanic high priestess. She was so deep into it. That um, it was, you know, even though she knew she was in for trouble, even though she knew who she was dealing with and how, how dark Satan was and the kinds of powers that she had and the kinds of, you know, curses that she had cast and the terrible things she had done. And they were very terrible indeed. I mean, in, including, you know, providing, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, aborted fetuses for sacrifices. Oh my gosh oh you know, yeah so she had uh, uh, she basically tried to turn turn her, her life around uh, but at the end she did not complete uh, the exorcisms so uh, me, she may have died of cancer or maybe she's still alive but she mm-hmm. didn't go through with it so the, the 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 lesson is you know if you if you partner up with this uh, devil for a long long time it's very very difficult challenging indeed to turn your back on him um, you know after uh, You've got the debt uh, sheet, uh, you know, all the way down to the floor.
0: Yeah, so, well, and that's what happens. So, isn't the first thing the devil wants in people is to not believe in him?
1: That uh, would be the number one thing. And according to most saints, and certainly uh, that wonderful uh, um, C.S. Lewis's, uh, you know, wonderful book there, (laughs) The Root Tape Letters, uh, very humorous indeed. But on the other hand, um a very serious indeed. And you know, that one place where uh, you know um <laughs> Uh, The the devil is actually uh, telling, there's a kind of an experienced devil named uh, Wormwood, and uh, he's, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Screwtape, and he's counseling his nephew Wormwood about how to be a better tempter and so forth. In any case, uh, in the book, uh, Screwtape is saying, you know, oh my gosh, whatever you do, don't let him start probing into philosophy and getting (laughs) reason. That's not what we're about at all. That's where the enemy, the enemy in in that book means the church and and Jesus Christ, right? That's where the enemy lays his foundation. Uh, Whatever you do, keep him on the level of feelings. And by the way, should he get any idea that we're out there, quick Introduce him to a a nice cartoon figure in red tights with a uh, with horns and and uh, and then suggest something very very sensorial like lunch, and um, <laughs> I didn't laugh at all that. But at the same time, that's exactly how he works. That's exactly mm-hmm. what he does. And C.S. Lewis has just got that humorous anecdotal way of you know uh, uh, presenting things and. Uh, it's uh, it's really lovely, uh, but I think sometimes people don't get the seriousness if they're so, laughing so hard, they might not see, this is dead serious. Uh, mm-hmm. This is just exactly how uh, the evil spirit works.
0: Father Spitzer, you say in your new book, um, Escape from Evil's Darkness, speaking of all this, the, the presence of the enemy in the world, the way the enemy works, and you can escape from evil, and it's, its grip on so many people, especially those who deny that the devil even exists. You say, and it's, oh gosh, is this about halfway? It's a little more than halfway through the book, but I flagged certain pages and I wanna to get to this. It's a sub uh, chapter, um, in a larger chapter, but this is a section called The Good Spirit and Evil Spirit During Moral Conversion. And, oh. and, and you say, the fir- and this is, I, I think people really need to hear all of this, your whole book, they need to read it. The firm resolve, you write, to resist temptation in all its forms, whether it originates in us or through a malevolent spiritual power, and people are going, yikes, uh, is central to. Moral conversion and the subsequent deepening of spiritual conversion. And then you, you, you talk there, of course, very Ignatian. You talk about the General Examine uh, in his consideration of temptation in the General Examine. St. Ignatius recognized the need not only to empower resistance to temptation, but also to use this empowered resistance as quickly as possible before a temptation captivates our thought, inflames our our desire and becomes difficult to resist at the moment of decision that is a power quote if i've seen one in this book so talk about that let's unpack that for a minute so people aren't fearful because fear you know enemy you know wants maybe doesn't want you to be afraid of him but uh fear is part of this and fear is not of god
1: yeah that's exactly right and Um, You know, most people who are trying to turn their lives around really don't have a reason to fear. If you're not trying to turn your life around, you might have a reason to fear. And um, the Holy Spirit actually sometimes stimulates that to let you know how much danger you're in. But uh, we'll talk about Ignatius' two weeks in just a moment because he makes a distinction between two kinds of people. Uh, Those in the first week and those in the second week. The first week are those who are not on the road to conversion, don't care about making a conversion, are not conscious that there is an evil spirit or a holy spirit or anything like that, just going, as Ignatius calls it, from sin to sin. Then there's the people who are truly uh, on the road to conversion, people of what he calls the second week. And um, all the rules are reversed. So in the first week, the devil is just stoking people and just encouraging them and saying, go ahead. And there's even more opportunities for sin. And here I'm going to open the door to a few more and, you know, just walk right on through it. You can't get enough. And, And so the devil is basically providing opportunities, opening doors, trying to you know, encourage people, sending temptations, right, into their consciousness, etc., etc. That's in the first week, the person who's not converted. The Holy Spirit, though, is, what is he doing? He's trying to incite fear, emptiness, alienation, loneliness, guilt, right? In other words, he's trying to, as Ignatius would put it, make your conscience bite you. In other words, he's Hmm. trying to to say you know, hey, you know, you better watch out. You're going into the darkness, and not only that, um, you know, this guy's got malevolent intent towards you. Even though he right now is giving you opportunities to to be a success in this world, and he's giving you opportunities to um, you know, sin to your heart's content, right? You say to yourself, "Wow, this and what could be better?" But just know that he is malevolent. And so every once in a while, it's not just that you feel the emptiness, alienation, loneliness, guilt, et cetera. Uh, You also feel the shudder, you know, that that sense of horror, you know, when we watch a ghost the film, you know, that's really successful. Or we, you know, we hear a ghost story where, you know, the, the person involved in the story is truly malevolent and cruel and vicious and empty and dark, right? You know, the, the, there's compassionless eyes, the, the empty eyes, where we get that sense of horror. And horror is very different from fear. Um, you know, fear it would be, you know, the car is careening down the hill at me, and I see the car coming, and so my heart rate goes up. I get, you know, flush in my face with the, the, the rush of the adrenaline, and 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 I, you know, move off to the side. Whereas uh, with respect to horror, it's the exact opposite. You hear that ghost story, and you are so horrified, or that the character in the story is so evil that all the blood just drains from you. Instead of flush red, you just turn ashen white, mm-hmm. or ashen to white to, you know, cold. And of course, your blood runs cold, and you feel that sort of creepiness, um, you know, uh, that, that shudder, that, that that sense of evil is present, a darkness that can take me over, that's compassionless, where there's there's no... You know, uh, I'm in. I'm encountering this being of no light or compassion. That's a very different thing. And so, the Holy Spirit's trying to. He's not trying to make you feel miserable. The Holy Spirit's just giving you warnings mm-hmm. of what the devil will do to you when he gets hold of you. Of course, when he's trying to seduce you, of course, when he's trying to deceive you, of course, when he's trying to tempt you, he's not going to make you feel horrible. He's going to be very encouraging. They're there now. We can take you one step further. What the heck? You're free. You know, and of course, that is the, the code of our culture. Uh, are yeah. you where it came from. But that's his code. That's his announcement. You're free. You can do anything you want. Liberate yourself. Why hold yourself down to all these constraints? You owe it to yourself. You deserve it. Right? So there's that idea. Uh, You can hear the call of the devil. And of course, it's our cultural call. You owe it to yourself. You deserve it. You know, you are just you. You're so you. And so, of course, we hear the the call. And um, the person in the first week doesn't recognize this as a spiritual enemy. So Holy Spirit has to kind of come in there and just say, you know, the consequences of what you're doing. Here's what it feels like when you put yourself under his power. And, of course, the person doesn't like it. As Ignatius says, their you know their conscience is biting them. And they go, I don't know why I feel kind of this listlessness, this emptiness and alienation. I got all the opportunities I want. I can do all eight deadly sins on a regular basis with ever greater intensities. What could be better? Yet at the same time, the feeling of alienation and emptiness, loneliness, guilt, and even that sense of evil and the shudder of horror, you know, it's increasing in intensity. And so, uh, um, you know, of course that person is always on the verge of despair always on the verge of darkness we're not talking about a clinical depression here we're talking about you know an admixture of real evil along with it now then all of a sudden let's suppose the guy goes this is frightening oh my gosh i I gotta get out of this mode and 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 then he starts turning around her she starts turning around she goes "Uh, you know um Uh, I'm I'm literally going down the road to perdition. Uh, I'm literally, I think I'm following an an evil spirit. I think, gosh, maybe I'm getting a sense of hell and and the sense of guilt. The the true loneliness of being separated from God starts clicking in. And then God, the Holy Spirit, the minute you start thinking that, the Holy Spirit is going to rush in, put a little a voice in the back of your head, right in the back of your mind, and the voice is going to be saying, okay, Spitzer, you know, uh, go into that church, or okay, Spitzer, turn your life around. Spitzer, right now, you've you, you, you got to get back to confession. Confession's the only way, uh, you know, to, to turn your life around in an absolute way, or whatever the case may be, right? He's coming in, and you're getting this little thought in the back of your mind, but it's combining up with the alienation, loneliness, emptiness, etc. So you've got this kind of double thing going on. Then the dreams start to happen. And in the dream, you, you might feel like, you know, wow, a safe is dropping on me. or I don't know you, know. you might feel like some kind of, a, you know, a sense of doom, or you might even have a, a sense of doom mixed in with a sense of guilt, Uh, you know, the Blessed Virgin Mary might even be present, you know, crying or something of that nature, or, you know, Christ might be, you know, uh, you know, there a pleading almost, uh, in a sense, in the dream, and you wake up and you go, oh, you know, I call it the three o'clock wake-up call, right, where, you know, people are starting to have it, and and some people, obviously, are going to respond. They're going to absolutely respond, and some people are going to get absolutely intransigent. They're not going to let anything like that you know, bug them. I know what I'll do, I'll just take another dose of drugs and I'll just, uh, you know, like, uh, I'll watch another episode of Ice Station Zebra, I don't know, right, you know, so the, the point of course is, is you know, you, you are distracting yourself, you're going mm-hmm. on trips, you're doing skydiving, you're taking the drugs, you're drinking your Chateau Margaux and your Mercedes, but you're on the verge of despair the entire time. You can't make it go away. It just persists. And of course, it's the separation from God that's just causing this sense of loneliness. We we can't be unlonely without God. We can't be at home in ourselves, let alone at home in the totality, without being at home with God, right? And so we're alienated, we're empty, and you know, you're shaving there in the mirror, and and as you're shaving or fixing your hair in the mirror, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you're looking at yourself and nothing is coming back at you from the mirror you feel a sense of deep emptiness a, a vapidity you know a vapidness that's just infecting you from within you go, i've got no substance not there's there's nothing to me there's no hope for me there's no contact you look around the world outside of you and go it's bleak it's dark it's cold it's empty it's you know and all of a sudden you, you got to make a move you know mm-hmm. who's going to live like this and so of course if you uh, if you decide i'm going to put my faith In uh, more sensual pleasure, more drugs, more, um, you know, ego, uh, comparative identity, more um, success, more money. Well, you follow your master. And that master is the evil one. But let's suppose you say, no, I'm I'm not doing that. I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to get over to confession. Well, of course, people who are really turned around in their life, they go to confession you know a lot of them of course are still dealing with residual effects of the evil spirit because the evil spirit try and pull them back in so fast I mean yeah, he's at your elbow the minute that word confession comes into your mind and goes oh no you don't need to do anything extreme like that besides of course no one has the right to forgive sins that belongs to God you could do it with God all by yourself if you really wanted to etc so you get the the, the key point but the, the the point is is let's suppose the God. I just says no uh, I better get to confession I better start going to church again I got to change my life around I got it then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit now has different tactics now the evil spirit will give you nightmares so have you ever noticed right that when you try to turn your life around or some person it decides I'm going to be more saintly I'm going to Um, you know, go on the path of spiritual conversion and moral conversion. I think I'm going to try to improve my life. Notice what happens almost immediately. The nightmares start. Because the person actually feels good about themselves, right, the emptiness is starting to disappear during the day. Uh, you know, the, the, the evil spirit has to wait until night where the subconscious mind is, is kind of more dominant than the conscious mind, right? The dream world won't mind. And so you get these nightmares. So I always tell new converts, whatever you do, you're probably going to get nightmares. Please do not let this bother you. This is a guy who's powerless to attack you during the day, which is why you feel okay during the day. And at night, he's going after you, right? He's trying to, to you know, where he's got a little control over your subconscious mind. He's trying to to bother you. Don't pay attention. Just do what St. John Vianney did and Padre Pio did when it no. would come in the evening. and You know, just say, well, you know, uh, I, uh, I'm not going to let you bother me. And uh, I use my little prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, be gone, Satan. And I just say that about 10 times. And I'll tell you this right now whatever presence you are feeling there, he'll go away. He can't stand the name of Jesus. He can't stand your faith in the name of Jesus. You say that about 10 times. I'm not kidding you with faith. You just command him to go away in the name of Jesus, your Lord and your Savior. He'll go away. I'm, there's no question about that. I've done it myself many, many times, no. and I've done it for others many, many times. So the point I'm trying to get to is don't pay attention. Don't get all upset. Just use that prayer and keep on going because the Holy Spirit will then start encouraging you. And instead of biting your conscience, now the Holy Spirit is going to come along and give you what's called spiritual consolation. He's going to start leading you. He's going to invite you to do deeper things. That doesn't mean you're going to escape the cross. Do not confuse, you know, uh, the cross with spiritual desolation. The, the, the cross could be in for a saint a moment of consolation, right? Of course, it feels bad. Of course, the cross is always going to produce anxieties, uh, uh, you know. But if we remember Jesus's words, you know, fear is useless. What is needed is trust. Then we can go a little bit uh, uh, deeper and trust in the Lord. Follow Him, uh, you know, in the way of His cross. But then you'll notice that even if you're suffering from the cross, right, like blindness would be a cross for me, right? But, uh, you know, now it's not a cross anymore in the sense that, you know, I'm not sitting there in a state of anxiety going, how am I going to finish my books? How am I going to do this? How am I going to run my ministry? How am I going to do fundraising? How am I going to travel? You know, and so when I started going blind, right, I mean, you know, it just, I wasn't having a panic attack, but what I was, I was doing some serious questioning okay, Lord, uh, we got a problem here. You know, I got my books, I got to book, I gotta do research, you know, I, I, I got to be teaching, I got to get up on that stage. You know, how am I going to get on stage without any eye contact? I got to get on the TV. Uh, you know, what are you doing to me? You know, and, and of course, at first glance, you're sort of going, no, this is uh, problematic. But then what you begin to see is two things happen. The first thing is, is you start getting a sense of peace. Even though your logical mind is sort of going, hmm, this is bad. Something else is going, don't worry. It's going to be okay. I've got it under control. You're going to be okay. And my thought to the new convert, or to a guy like me, who's just going through the cross as an old convert, is... Don't worry. Take the peace. That peace is beyond all understanding. That peace comes from God. Follow the peace. Don't talk yourself out of it and go, this is not logical. I should not be at peace because right now, how am I going to do my research? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do, it? Going to do it? And of course, you're, you're, you're asking these questions in an almost desperate way, and you're trying to talk yourself out of the peace. But there the peace remains. It's almost like I've got it under control. Just follow the peace. And that's what happened to me. The doors began to open up. The spiritual consolation that increased my trust and hope and love began to increase. And guess what? I've gotten a gazillion spiritual blessings out of this deal. a, A blind guy never had it so good. Really, truly, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I've gotten spiritual blessing after spiritual blessing uh, from this. I don't think I could have ever written that trilogy on evil and good. Um, you know, I don't think I could have ever uh, written it w- without um, having gone through this little trial. And certainly not um, the light shines on in the darkness. Uh, that, so much of that came from the blessings of, of the blindness. So the Lord's been good to me. And, you know, um, like I said, if, you, if anything tempered my arrogance... You know, try running into a couple of walls or something in an airport and make just being humiliated out of your mind, trying to fake it like you could really see when you, when you really needed help and you didn't want to ask for help. So you're that guy just ran into a, a pillar. You know? <laughs> How did that happen? So, of course, I finally had to own up and say, okay, Lord, you win. I am not self-sufficient anymore. I need people's help. Okay, what am I going to have to do? Do I have to take people's elbows? Yes, yes, that's what you're going to have to do. Okay, Uh, I I mean, I get it, I get it. But what a cure, you know, like Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, right? You know, I I was given, you know, a a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me to keep me from getting proud. But now I see that in my weaknesses, my strength, and when I grow weaker, Christ grows stronger in me. And at the end of the day... That is what gets our pride under control. That's what causes the trust that Jesus asked for. That's what mitigates the fear. And that at the end of the day is what will get us into heaven.
0: Father, speaking of the fear, a lot of people listening are are, are probably <clears throat> jumping to ask you the question, for me to ask you the question about why they should not fear the devil. Because, as you said so well, you you said he's absolutely powerless over you by day, but he can what it, what insinuate himself sure. through messages into bad yes, you know nightmares and dreams and things.
1: Sure, absolutely. But, you know, the point about fear is if you're in the first week, uh, what I was trying to explain, if you're in the first week, which means you're, you're kind of not on the path to conversion, mm-hmm. you ought to fear the devil because then he's got power over you. And, uh, you know, you're in trouble. Uh, you know, and, and you know, if, if you think you don't have anything to fear from him, then you have something to fear from him. However, on the other hand, if you're in the second week, right, where you are on the path of conversion, he's trying to get you to fear him. So he introduces all these reasons why you, you kind of ought to go, Ooh, this guy's got some uh, major power. He's trying to, uh, you know, seduce me. He's trying to control me. He's trying to, you know, put these fakeo thoughts in my mind. He's always trying to tempt me in this direction, that direction. I, uh, you know, here's a guy I, I ought to fear. He's giving me some nightmares at night. Right. And uh, so, but then that's when you really don't have to fear him because that's when he is completely powerless. That's when you bring out that little prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, be gone, Satan. Just say that 10 times. And I'm telling you, he'll go away. He is powerless. A person of faith pronouncing the name of Jesus in what we, you know, call a command, you know, um, uh, to, to the devil to just go away um, uh, basically works and it works real well. So, um, my thought is, uh, you really don't have to fear a guy who's powerless before the name of Jesus, who you put your faith in.
0: It, this is that's really important for people to understand because you 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 say in the book and you make it clear throughout that you know the more the closer our walk with the Lord the, the further we progress toward conversion you say the evil one intensifies his efforts to make us fall into one or more of the deadly sins precisely because our initial successes at spiritual and moral conversion make us his adversary. So yeah. um, so he, he goes after, you know, he wants to give people dark intentions, open them up to, uh, you know, his um, inspiration, if you will, instead of the inspiration and will of the Holy Spirit. Father, I think one indicator you've noted, and it's an important one for people to, to know, is that when they have peace, that is always from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When they distinctly do not, when they have fear, when they are unsettled, when they have angst, when they have all these reasons why they need, as you said, you, you listed an number of distractions, when they have great need of distraction, then, then that's the enemy wants that. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do they do in that moment when you're sort of on the path, but you realize, oh, my gosh, there are all these hardships on this path. And as you said, the devil doesn't want that. So uh, introduces all these other things, distractions and, oh, no, don't go there. Life was so much better before I started this. Maybe this is you know really not uh, true. Because why would I be having these problems? And so what, well, you just gave us that prayer, very short and, and invoking the name of Jesus Christ. But, mm-hmm. but prayer, talk about that as, as a really powerful, powerful tool of, not just tool, um, part of your conversion has to be prayer, steady prayer, faithful prayer. And as you said, even if you just have to put your head down and keep going forward, don't worry about the power of the enemy because he has none over you, Father, right? If you resist.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the first thing is, you know, struggle against temptation. And uh, you said, Sheila, is very true. Um, If you start making progress in the spiritual life, uh, you can be sure the temptations are going to intensify. So he's going to go, believe me, the devil knows your history. So he's going to say, okay, what was bothering Spitzer previously? And so he's going to say, aha, this deadly sin, this deadly sin, and this deadly sin okay, I'm just going to work on those babies and I'm not just going to work on one of them i 'm going to work on this one once he starts battling me here i 'm going to zip over here and you know and you know get him battling here and then zip back over here so you can you can be sure he 's going to do a little combat with you, but it 's like um, you know watching the Princess Bride and watching that dueling that 's going on between the, you know the hero and the Inigo Montoya you know the, they 're they're dueling and dueling and dueling and it 's okay I mean struggle is okay. To struggle against sin, even though you feel like, gosh, I'm being tempted, right, left, and center here. Temptation is not a sin. Jesus Christ was tempted. Everybody uh, is is tempted. So, um, uh, temptation's not the sin. Uh, our purpose is to struggle against it. And I mean, oh, look at all those Hieronymus Bosch paintings of Saint Anthony in the desert, right? The mm-hmm. poor guy's being tempted right and left and left and right. And uh, and uh, of course, he's, he's an absolute enemy of Satan at this juncture. So Satan's gonna, you know, full-on uh, tempt him and, and uh, obviously, if the full-on tempting—if you—if you're successfully struggling against it, like okay, you say, well, this—I was—I gave into that temptation for a couple of seconds. So, you got out of it. You mm-hmm. got out of it. You're moving back in with the Lord. That's good. If you struggle, you have a momentary lapse. You come back. You don't do anything serious. You just kind of you're kind of beginning to entertain the thought in your mind or whatever it is uh, that's occurring to you. Uh, You can get back on track very, very quickly. And over the course of time, you do get back on track very, very quickly. And your struggles are successful. And so, you know, obviously the devil has to come at you with a different tack, right? Mm. So he goes, all right, uh, Spitzer's making progress. So what can we do? Um, you know, if I just give him more temptations, he's probably just gonna, you know, struggle against it. And he's not gonna feel bad anymore that he's having temptations. So I'm going to come as an angel of light. So in Mm. other words, Paul's words, right, the devil comes disguised, appearing as an angel of light, a good angel, an angel with pious suggestions. Spitzer, you know, those eight deadly sins You know, you are making remarkable progress on them. You know, what God really wants is that you get over those eight deadly sins tomorrow. Just get over them tomorrow. And I mean, the faster, the better. The harder, the better, right? The more, the better. Harder, faster, better, more. That's my call. That's not God's call. That's not the voice of the shepherd. That's the voice of the devil, who, of course, to the person in the second week, he's trying to get them to go too far, you know, to the point where they're going to fail, and then he's going to pull the rug out from under them, and when he pulls the rug out from under them and they fail, the, the person's going to go, huh, God's an ogre, right? I can't possibly keep following everything he's telling me or he sends even a pious friend into your life. Spitzer, I have 32 suggestions for how you could improve your life, your righteousness in your life. Now, the first thing to do is start putting rocks in your shoes because the more penance you do, the better, and then wear a disguised hair shirt, you know, and, uh, you know, as St. Ignatius of Loyola says. Now, when you start getting these crazy kinds of, you know, Um, you know, either advice interiorly or advice exteriorly to do these things. He's saying, of course, penance is good, but to overdo it in the penance will, in the long run, bring down the three big virtues. Your trust in God, that is to say your faith, starts decreasing. You start changing your view of God. He's a real tough taskmaster. All he says to me all day long is harder, better, faster, more. But really, that's not God. That's the, the evil spirit speaking like he's an angel of God with a very reasonable request. And then, of course, the next thing that, that happens is that uh, uh, your hope level goes down. So all of a sudden you begin to think that God is up there in heaven going, hmm, Spitzer, heaven, hell, heaven, hell, oh hell for you. And of course, you, you, you think that God is indifferent to your salvation instead of God wanting your salvation with every fiber of his being. So much so that if you were the prodigal son, he'd pick you up and, and, and uh, hug you if you came back after shaming the family and your country, your election, God, the law, and, and even the, uh, the ritual prescriptions, right? So the point is that, uh, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, the hope level goes down. And then finally, you, you know, you're wearing the hair shirt. You're walking on, uh, you know, rocks at all times. You're so horribly uncomfortable. Now you are irritable, and you are short, and you you say, well, "How's my capacity for love going these days?" And you've got so many penances operative, or so many strictures on yourself, and so many constraints on yourself that are not, you know, they're constraints not against sin. There are constraints that you impose on yourself in order to be more pious, not to avoid sin. That's very important. But you're trying to be holier. And, of course, now you've done the constraints so much, let's say the penances, that all of a sudden you take the 1 Corinthians 13 test. Remember the uh, hymn to love, right? Love is patient, love is kind, love is merciful, does not grow angry, doesn't post, et cetera. So you take your test. You're, when, how's my uh, patience level? Horrible. I'm more impatient than ever. How's my kindness level? I'm turning into a rat by the day because I can't stand myself and I can't stand life with all the penances. And how's my mercy level? I'm socking everybody, and I've turned into church lady, and now I'm I'm just a sanctimonious person who is uh, you know condemning everyone right and left. Oh, how's my boasting level? Oh, now that's succeeding. Uh, you know, all my penances are so good that now I'm boasting to the limits, and you know more than that, I'm actually. Uh, as angry as I could possibly be. And so you can uh, get the point. Obviously, if you're flunking in the trust, hope, and love division, that is to say, you know, your, your levels of trust, hope, and love are going down, you got sucker punched by the devil appearing as an angel of light. In other words, you thought you were doing what God wanted. There was a perfectly pious suggestion, and as G.K. Chesterton says, right, every heresy is merely an exaggeration of the truth. The first thing you got to do when you get a pious suggestion is turn to prudence. If you don't have a spiritual director or someone who's wise in the ways of these things, at least be really prudent and ask one major question. What's my trust level like? Do I trust God more or am I trusting God less? Do I hope in my salvation more or am I hoping in my salvation less? Am I, do I have a greater capacity to love, the 1 Corinthians 13 test, or less of a capacity to love, et cetera? So, of course, if I'm flunking in those categories, then something is wrong. Prudence alone should dictate that that seemingly pious suggestion needs to be modified, that maybe I got taken in by the devil appearing as an angel of light. Now, new converts or people who are just really starting on the life of, um, you, you know, of conversion, things like that, They can exaggerate things, right? And they want, they just so very much want to follow God and do his will, and they're really enamored of trying to do that, that they take things on that are either really almost crazy, and God would never ask, or they take things on which are not right for them now. In -hmm. other words, timing is totally off. Maybe later they could handle more penances. Maybe later, you know, they can deal with three deadly sins at once. But not now. I mean, and now you just got to do what you can do with the m- most flagrant deadly sin, right? So the 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 point in 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 fact is, uh, you know, to, if you can ask a person who's a good spiritual director has some wisdom who knows the, the the rules for discernment of Saint Ignatius. There's 14 rules of the Sermon of Spirits of Saint Ignatius of Loyola's um, uh, spiritual exercises, and you can just uh, turn to those sometimes and get a little bit of advice. Um, there's a fellow by the name of Father Timothy Gallagher
0: oh, yeah.
1: written a fine book on spiritual discernment that kind of tells you and very good common sense ways how to uh, do these things, not the Spitzerian bloviations with the long sentences. <laughs> so the, the main thing is you know, to basically Uh, learn that so you can apply prudence to the situation. But yeah, the the devil will try and convince you that God is a terrible taskmaster, uh, that you'll never be able to satisfy him. He is anything but the prodigal son's father. Rather, you know, he's the angry God Or he's the, um, you know, payback God, or, you know, the whole thing, you know, the payback God is, is the one that, you know, you something bad happens to you in your life. And here you are, you know, uh, you're just, you know, kind of more or less starting to go the route of holiness on a deeper level, right? Mm -hmm. And then Some cross happens to you. Could happen for a variety of reasons. And of course, the devil capitalizes on it right away. See, God's a payback God. And, and, you know, you (laughs) 30 years ago, when you were trying to get secret information on the stock market to make some extra profits. (laughs) He's been waiting around 30 years for you now. Now you're a Jesuit. Now you're kind of really. (laughs) I've got you now. You know, you're a little wimp, and and, and you're vulnerable. And so, of course, you, you, you go, oh, my gosh, you know, why would God do this to me? Um, or, you know, the disgusted God, Spitzer, I have been waiting, lo, these many years for you to do something significant in your spiritual life, and lo, all the same sins over and over and over again. You disgust me. <laughs> now, of course, when you start hearing the words of hatred or... Mm. Or animus or disgust. That's not the voice of the shepherd. It's the wrong voice. And so you shouldn't, you know, a prudent, well versed spiritual person goes, Wait a minute, that's not right. Right? That person knows this there's something wrong here. And so that person then will say, Boy, I better. Uh, hold off on this thing that I'm doing, all right, I'm I'm not, I got to go back to the father of the prodigal son, I just got to go back to the real God that Jesus revealed, not the God of my imagination, that might be influenced by the evil spirit, and there's all kinds of other gods, you know, like the stoic God, you know, that basically is up there going, you know, Spitzer, you know, you're such a wimp, you know, you're constantly coming, and you know, you know, crying before me i I can't stand it you know buck up and you know get with it you know and you you look at that and of course what the devil succeeded in doing by putting that imagination into your head he has succeeded you in turning god into a stoic he Mm -hmm. has you know and you turn god into Nietzsche's what does not kill me makes me stronger you know <laughs> who is not God it's not the voice of the shepherd there's something wrong with that voice so we just got to get our ears or I should say our our imaginations tuned to the right voice and you know and recognizing hmm, that would come from my savior who loves me that one is not coming from my savior who loves me and so forth
0: we could keep going on and on and on. I hope we do in a series. But Escape from Evil's Darkness, You, you I want to really hit the point you've just made It very hard that love, you, you say, you call it the supreme virtue. You talk about in the book, um, the four cardinal virtues, prudence, as you just talked about, fortitude, which is courage, temperance, which is self-control, justice. Oh, my gosh, we could do an hour on any one of those. The supreme virtue, love. You write a lot in the book about love, and then you follow that with how love counters the eight deadly sins. Everything is in this book that that one needs for that walk and, 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 through conversion and certainly moral conversion and and then resisting temptation and then you, you the sacraments. Father, I love how you've treated the sacraments in here and you've brought up confession, reconciliation, how powerful that is. And the Lord's mercy, God's mercy and and grace is just explosively powerful And in the the power of, uh, of the sacrament of reconciliation. That follows with the prayers for forgiveness and healing in in the spontaneous prayers for forgiveness and and healing people need to know that right because many people say i just don't know how to pray so they know the our father the hail mary the glory be they know those prayers and those are good all the prayers we know uh, that we may think are formula prayers are good the rosary is just profoundly excellent but father so too is spontaneous mental prayer and people don't know what that is so in listening to you, and, and many people are thinking, okay, oh my gosh, there's so much here. Well, for one thing, get Father's book, Escape from Evil's Darkness. It's on crediblecatholic.com, Majacenter.com. I've got it posted on uh, the site where you get this podcast. And uh, I'm gonna keep uh, pr- pr- promoting that and p- pushing that out, Father, in my social media. But you, you, you point people before the end of the book or at the end of the book to a summary of the four levels of desire and happiness and then spontaneous prayers. Uh, on that note, just sort of to wrap these things together, I just find it like one a little humorous, but we've got to take it seriously, that yeah. the United Nations designates March 20th as the International Day of Happiness. Not at all coincidental that that's the day on the calendar that's the beginning of spring. And yet, people don't really know what happiness is, which is why so many more of them, especially under the pandemic and all the things we've been suffering through, there is more depression, there's more anger, there's more fear, there's more of all of the, even suicide rates have gone up. And here we are with this. And then the UN also designates March 24th as the World Day of Truth. Starts, if we could stop right there, but they go on concerning human rights violations. There's so much to this, one could uh, to break that down, but truth concerning human rights violations. I know you've been challenged before, oh, Father, just talk about faith and don't talk about abortion and politics. Mm-hmm. And why do you talk about that so much? Because it, it is of a piece, Father, that's how policies get made and we want moral policies. We want, we want moral leaders to make moral policies and we the people have to be involved in that process. Hence, we need to be converted people, right? So I know this is a lot to wrap together, but you're so good at that. Wrapping this into a way that people can move forward if they're at point one or square one, and they ask, how do I How do I begin? Oh, so Father said, invoke the name of Jesus. Um, what are some spontaneous prayers other than that you can give people right now and then the steps they should begin to take?
1: Sure, and you could go to, And just to get a whole raft of them, uh, go to MajaCenter.com. And then if you just go to the button that says free video and and article resources, just go to that and just uh, zip over to the article that's called Getting Started on Prayer. I've got a whole list of spontaneous prayers there that you can just Xerox off and start memorizing for yourself. But here are just a few of them uh, that that might be helpful. For first of all, of course, is hell. That's always a good spontaneous, (laughs) very short, very memorable. Which God listens to. The Hail Mary for me is a huge one. I mean, in the case you know, even my um, as you know, my Protestant father, who uh, uh, you know, when he was in uh, uh, World War II, you know, he could hear these people. Um, you know, praying the Our Father, I mean, praying the Hail Mary. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, it kind of made sense go right along with the, uh, with the the gang there, you know, as we're getting shelled right out of our minds. And um, so, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, so, um, you know it, it's just such a perfect prayer. There is something utterly consoling in that prayer. You talk about the peace beyond all understanding that comes to you. That prayer helped me when I was praying to my blessed mother and just asking that for her help when I really had a high degree of need uh, was very helpful. You know, I used to like to um, uh, ride in these Cessna planes and one time I was with my high school buddy, um, you know, and I was uh, zipping down uh, um you know, uh, <laughs> we, we got caught into a downdraft because we stupidly went from a mountain over into the ocean area. Oh and so the plane was going down, 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 and I just had this sense of real consolation and peace. So I wasn't saying Hail Mary. I said my act of contrition, and whoop, we got the gust of air just before the wing touched the water, in which case, of course, we would have been great nut flakes, you know, if we crashed. <sighs> But we weren't. And, um, you know, I kind of came out of that and I thought, hmm, well, maybe God has something in store for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I always tell my friends, we ain't no dummies. You know, and so that's uh, that's the uh, idea is, you know, the Hail Mary is uh, just so consoling. Another prayer that I think is fantastic is, I give up you take care of it because you're not giving up on God. We're giving up on, you know, n- you know, mulling over this uh, suffering and giving it to God. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's just a really important prayer. And I've gotten great consolation from that. I was in Rome, you know, and I, I, you know, had learned Italian in a little over a month and a half. Oh wow. in, uh, Well, I thought I knew, learned Italian. I get into this exegesis class with a, a professor who's speaking Italian in with a Spanish accent, a, a Spanish Cuban accent faster than, this, than the Italian spoke it, and my pen was suspended up in midair, and I'm just going, I'm going down, you know, because I, I couldn't get anything. The guy was saying practically, you know, and, you know, all I got was in Mateo, you know, or whatever <laughs> he was saying, you know, and that was all I could get. So I was, uh, you know, starting to oh, freak out, and I just used that prayer. I just said, Lord, I give up, you take care of it. And the steam just came out of my ears and I began to sort of calm down. And as I calmed down, I began to pick up a word here and a word there and a context, mm-hmm. got, you know, and by the way, I, uh, you know, by the time I was halfway through the course, I was understanding 95% of what he was saying. And all my questions for the final exam came from the second part of the course. I came out with a nine. I couldn't <laughs> so
0: that's wonderful I
1: oh know, i know i lucked out again you know but not lucked out i think i got an answer to prayers and of course i've got even once for when i've done something stupid you know and i've done something stupid i just say lord make good come out of whatever harm i might have caused you know how you can sort of uh-huh. flip it sometimes say if somebody asks you a sincere question you don't have time you go, blah, blah. You know and then you have that three o'clock wake up call you know, that person could have said that I thought this and that person could have thought that. And now they're really in trouble. Maybe I should give them a call at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) You don't want to call at three o'clock in the morning. But the point, of course, is you're worried and you're worried. I just give it over to God with this prayer, you know, Lord, may good come out of whatever harm I might have caused. And, you know, God gets me out like Mario Andretti, you know, (laughs) into a tailspin, and you know, in in the Indianapolis Speedway or something. So, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's, prayer really works, but the be, my best one is push back the foreboding, you know, push back the, the blackness, the darkness, push back the depression. And I use my hand with the prayer. I just simply say, Lord, just push back the foreboding, just push back the foreboding. And when I do that, you know, and I push it back and I just, you know, trust in him, uh, and I just say, Lord, if there's somebody who's just plotting something at the present moment to stop me from doing whatever I'm doing, please stop him. It's sort of like the breastplate of, uh, of uh, uh, St. Patrick, who oh, we're yeah. celebrating. A, you know, isn't that a great prayer? And oh, I a,
0: love the Lorica, the breastplate, yes. Yeah,
1: it's fantastic. And, um, you know, in that prayer, of course, it's really, you know, Christ above me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ to my left, to my right, etc. And so you're, you're looking at that and, you know, but in a way, just push back the foreboding. That's all you need. You don't need everything. You just need push back the foreboding and he'll work with you. And I'm telling you, Uh, you know, history is changing as you're praying this prayer in faith. Things are happening to, to really push back that foreboding. Never for a moment think that your prayers are not answered. The Hail Mary, as I said, is so important, but also, you know, Lord, make optimal resurrection come from this cross, one of my favorite ones, make some good come out of this cross for me, for others, for the church, for the kingdom of God, you know, just maximize it, optimize it, and so um, that's, that's another one I use uh, an awful lot, but those prayers, I'm telling you, they're little conduits of grace, they're easy to remember, you know, you can pull them up right away. If, you, if you're used to using them, you can pull it, pull them up right away when you really need them. And the great part is they're very repetitive. Mm-hmm. Easy to remember, easy to repeat, and then you repeat these prayers a few times with faith. And I'm not kidding. They begin to work already. So that's how the Lord, I think, you know, that's the first step. You know, when one door slams, the Holy Spirit is opening two others. All we got to do is keep praying fervently, watch for the open doors, and when the open doors happen, walk through them. They're always, well, I wouldn't say always, but they're oftentimes likely to be doors you do not expect to open.
0: Right. That's true. Isn't that, Father? They are things you do not expect. And, and the, when, when a door closes, just prayerful trust, that, that old saying, you know, I know that the saying is really that when one door closes, another opens, and so forth, and that's true. However, it, it's not – when it comes along and it's unexpected – if we pray for discernment of God's will in trust, in try, then that might take a mighty effort, right? In total trust, not just say that, but then take back all that worry. Really do trust and give it over. Then you don't know when or how, but in some way you will recognize by looking back on it in the past and say, I'll be darned. That happened through maybe a friend of mine I haven't heard from in a very long time. And suddenly they ping you in a text message, right? Exactly when you're going through something and you... Mm-hmm. You don't realize that was a holy Spirit a God moment sent the Holy Spirit to do that, so that's prayerful trust you've got a lot of prayers in the back of the book the book is escape from evil's darkness that help, helps people right there the prayers in the back of the book the whole book does i can't believe this is a trilogy father it's marvelous you you say in the very opening you have a quote in it before it's even introduction page one uh, from scripture in john 8, uh, 12. Jesus spoke, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, that's what you bring is Jesus's words through the light of life. You give people hope. You you tell them how to prayerfully discern. You give them the Ignatian um, discernment of writings and direction. There's so much in here that, again, it needs to be out there in people's minds, turning them around. It's not about feelings, it's about thoughts. And it's about thinking and intellect and free will and how we turn over our free will to God's will. And that's all in here. We need to not listen to the culture, but what God is really trying to tell us. And he's using you, Father Robert Spitzer, to be his instrument of this truth he wants his people to know. Father, thank you for your time today. I hope we can follow up soon and continue unpacking the treasures of your book.
1: Well, thanks, Sheila. I really appreciate the opportunity. God bless you.
0: Well, that's all for now, but only for now, because Father Spitzer's new book is loaded with treasures of wisdom for finding peace and happiness. And his sites, CredibleCatholic.com and Majacenter.com, continue to fill with more resources to engage top issues of the day and eternal truths. Thanks for being here. Please share the link and invite others to join us next time here in the forum. <music>